All right, good evening. It is seven o'clock, straight up according to the official clock, so we can go ahead and get started. Uh, any prayer requests this evening? And yeah, I have here at the very top, uh, we're praying for the whole corona situation. <laughs> And if you don't go to the Glen Burnie office. Okay, and Bren, you were saying? We also still need somebody to pick up Michelle Nansa from retired preacher to tracking in Cameroon. Uh, Floyd can take him home, but we need somebody to pick him up every Sunday, uh, 10 15. Okay. Yeah, he's really close to Latin. Did you publish the address somewhere? No. going to be it? Okay, let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank you for another day that you've blessed us to see, another day that you've guided us safely through. Father, we thank you for uh, your grace, your mercy, your loving kindness, uh, all of the things uh, that you do and all of the things about you that uh, allow us, Father, to live life, to enjoy life, and to have the hope uh, that lies in Christ Jesus. Father, we're grateful for the time to be gathered here this evening to study your word. We ask, O oh God, that you would open our understanding to the things that you speak to us. Grant, Father, that we might be drawn closer to you, closer to one another. And in all things, may your name be glorified. Father, we come this evening and uh, we lift up in prayer and ask you, Father, to bless uh, Sehu's sons, Abraham and Omar, uh, just that you would bless them in a mighty way, that you would uh, bless Sehu as well. And Father, we pray for all of those who are parents and are raising children or have the custody of young ones, uh, just that you would bless them, Father, with all of the things needed uh, to have a positive influence. Father, we pray uh, for this world in which we live. Above all, Father, that uh, the hearts of those who are yet outside the gospel of Christ would be open uh, to the gospel message. Father, we pray uh, for the situation with the coronavirus and uh, just ask, Father, that it would uh, help us to be more aware of our mortality, of the importance of uh, being in a relationship with you and living life uh, so that we have the hope of life to come. Father, we just pray for uh, Sterling and for Michelle, just that you would uh, find a way to meet their needs as they stand in need of rides. And uh, Father, may we always be mindful of the needs of others. And uh, realized how blessed we are to be able to help with those needs. Father, we thank you above all for Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, in whose name we do pray. Amen. Uh, according to my mark, we read the text in Exodus chapter 2. Uh, need to have uh, some discussion about it. And into chapter 3, I'm going to change gears. Uh, I won't say God comes on the scene. He's always around, but he starts to be forefront in the text, and so we'll uh, read smaller excerpts uh, and have some discussion as we go once we get to chapter 3. Uh, but chapter 2, uh, in summary, uh, you have Moses' birth and early life, uh, verses 1 through 10. Uh, you have his attempts at deliverance, uh, verses 11 through 15. Uh, his life in Midian, 
verses 16 through 22, and then the Israelites cried to God by reason of the Egyptian oppression, uh, and that would finish out uh, the chapter. So that just leaves us with the so what's uh, from chapter 2. Moses and Christ, uh, there is in Deuteronomy 18:15 a prophecy from Moses that God would raise up a prophet like him, obvious reference uh, to Christ. And if you read uh, the Bible account, you find a lot of similarities between uh, Moses and Jesus, and you find one very uh, noteworthy difference. Uh, they were both born during times of persecution. Uh, they were both spokesmen for the Father. Uh, they both performed miracles, which, if you stop and think about it, you don't see as nearly miracles in, uh, in the Old Testament as you do in the New Testament. Uh, Moses, I would say Elijah and Elisha, probably the three most. And outside of that, you not going to say they didn't happen, but not as common as it was uh, in the New Testament. Uh, both delivered God's people. Uh, but the very telling difference, let me throw this out on the floor. You might know a very telling difference between Moses and Jesus. Ought to really be the. Okay, well, there's two. All right, so that's not the one I had. Jesus is God's son, absolutely. All right, so Jesus, he's God's son, God in the flesh. God. Okay, we got that one. Uh, this is Jerry. You've been peeking at my notes at the sermon for Sunday. He, 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 he did speak with authority, absolutely, um, and the people noticed it. One very, very big, let me give you a hint. Think, uh, that's, that's a dead giveaway. Uh, think 2 Corinthians 5, now you can't look in your Bible, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Okay, there's one. Uh, yes, Sister Clarice. Okay, that's a big one. That's uh, John, John chapter 1. Moses is the law. Jesus is uh, grace and truth. Uh, anybody know off the top of your head what does 2 Corinthians 5, 17 say? <laughs> Somebody said, I said, don't look. Okay, go ahead and look. Maybe that's a preacher text. I don't know. Jesus did bring in the new covenant. Uh-huh. Uh, somebody read 2 Corinthians 5, 17 for us. Read out loud so the rest of us have it. Oh, you know what? That's what I'm sorry, 21. I always get those two, transpose those two. Yeah, very telling difference. Jesus never committed any sin. Jesus is unique in that regard. Uh, that's why he's the only one that could ever be the sacrifice for sin, because he's the only one that never committed any. Yeah. And uh, if we were reading numbers, we'd run into one of uh, Moses' more notable ones. Uh, had something to do, I'm sure it had something to do with uh, being frustrated with the people he was leading. Uh, God told him how to get water from the rock, and uh, I think he's just a little hyped up about dealing with the people, and he did something other than what God said. So, but uh, Moses in Christ is, is one of the takeaways. God's providence in Israel's deliverance. Uh, I hope we appreciate people play a role in God's providence. God chooses to work through us. Now, he can do anything, but he chooses to work through us. Uh, you think about the Great Commission, what did Jesus say? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, could God just zap it into people's minds? Well, well he could, but he doesn't, that's not the way he chooses to work. He chooses to work uh, through us. Which is why we, uh, going back to last week, uh, I think what Brother Johnny Cole had asked uh, about the contribution that women make or can make uh, in the church. While we ought not un undervalue anything we do, God works through us. So he's working providentially, but he uses us uh, uh, to bring these things uh, to pass. So each one of us is important. 
uh, because God wants to use you. And I think as we go through Exodus, uh, you kind of just get reminders about not only can God use us, but you don't have to bring anything to the table. Well, we don't bring anything to the table anyway. Uh, God can use anybody for anything if they are willing to be uh, obedient and trust uh, in him. Uh, when we get over uh, in, into next chapter in particular, Moses he got every excuse under the sun, uh, well, three and four. He, he got a bunch of excuses why he shouldn't go back to Egypt uh, as delivering. God had an answer for each one. Uh, Brother Farron? He can use you one way or the other. Yep, absolutely. All right. Uh, and then uh, the other takeaway, Moses' mother, uh, Jochebed by name, uh, she is a great example of, of a parent. Uh, and when you think of Jochebed, the other uh, individual that comes to mind is Hannah. Uh, I ran across the quote. It says, children are committed to the parents' care as a matter of stewardship, but they are God's possession. I had a hmm after I read that. You know, because I'm always talking about my kids. But if you stop thinking, that's right. They're just, we're just stewards. They, they really are God's, they, God's possession as much as any of the rest of us. Uh, and what is required of a steward, according to Paul? Carrie? That he be faithful, yeah. So when we have children, as a matter of faithfulness, we need to raise them uh, to know God. Yeah, and when you look at Jochebed, not only did, was she instrumental in, in Moses' upbringing out the gate, but she was willing to give up her child for God's purposes. You know, when you think about her and Hannah, you know, giving your child up, that's, that's not something you do easily, you know, especially when they're younger. You know, you know they're 20-something, they're getting on your nerves and think they're grown. You're ready for them to move out. You know, but, but when they're younger, that's, I mean, you just, how do you just, you know, that ain't something you just, yeah, go ahead and take them. Uh, Brother Steve? See, that's called foresight, and not everybody has foresight. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, but I just think about when my kids were small. You know, when they're small, they're a lot of fun. You know, and then they get older, and they start getting like us, and they're not as fun. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, and if we are honest, they probably just acting a lot like we did at the same age. We seem to forget that as we get older. You know, we get older. I, you know, I never did any sin. I always wanted to go to worship and do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you did, absolutely. Okay, so those are, I think, three takeaways uh, from chapter two. Now, chapter three, like I say, uh, God, and, and I'm just gonna say comes on the scene, and I hope you appreciate what I mean by that. He, he's always on the scene. Uh, so we're gonna start moving a little more deliberately uh, through the text here. Chapter 3, if we could get a read of verses 1 through 6. Again, I have uh, the New American Standard up here on the screen. Thank you. 
Yeah, so Moses here uh, is called by God, and his reaction, I think, is the reaction you would have uh, to be in God's presence in the way he was. I mean, when you come into God's presence like that, the, the holy God, the almighty God, uh, I'm sure one of the things that it does is it calls to your mind how unworthy you are to be in God's presence. It just, that's just got to be an unusual experience. It is not one that we have in the same sense uh, that Moses could have had it. Uh, Isaiah had much the same re reaction. Uh, and anybody, uh, hmm, Peter, James, and John uh, had a similar uh, reaction when Jesus was transfigured. Uh, so we, we don't stand before a burning bush and have God speak to us directly. Uh, but nonetheless, we should be familiar with God's presence. Uh, there should be something uh, about the way we conduct ourselves throughout the day, whether I'm here at the church building, whether I'm at work or wherever I may be, because uh, one of the omnis that we say about God is he's omnipresent. You know, he's everywhere. Uh, all at once. So we're never out of God's presence. We're never away from God. And it strikes me kind of funny. Uh, you know, sometimes people will modify their behavior when I come around because I'm a preacher. And I'm like, well, if you could do it in front of God, I, you know, I don't know why I should give you pause. <laughs> I'm not going to judge you. Yeah, it certainly ought to be uh, given a little more thought. All right, uh, seven to nine. Can I have a reader for seven to nine? So the question, is anything ever news to God? No, it, it, there's never a time God finds out about something and his reaction is, I didn't know that. No, it, it, nothing is ever news to God. So then the next question, well, what was God waiting for then? Brother Steve? Yeah, okay, I like that for their attitude. Yeah. And, and I asked the question because, uh, Farron? And, and it was also, we see clearly that the, um, the sin of all the Christianites had to come to fruition. Yep. So this idea that it's all about me, yes, he had been there for a purpose, but he also was waiting on the sin of the Canaanites to be Yeah, and, and Brother Farron is over in the direction I, I'm thinking. We tend to see life from me. And everything that goes on, we tend to process it in terms of me. God is looking at the world. However many people are alive at that time, and, and he has things working, you know, it involves you, 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 all of us, and, and folk we've never met before, and God is working on this uh, so much higher level. He's dealing with all kinds of things, and he uses all of our lives to bring those things to pass. If you read uh, the New Testament, Paul says when the time was right, God sent his son. Now, how long had the world been in sin? S several thousand years. But when the time was right, Jesus came in the flesh. Uh, when the time was right, see, we would have looked at him and said, well, the time was back in Genesis chapter 3 when Eve was going to go fool around on the tree in the first place. God lets several thousand years go by before he sends Jesus. But what is the Bible commentary? The time was right. We need to remember that as we go through life. Sometimes you wonder, why isn't God doing something? Or what is God doing? Yeah, you, look, when the time is right, God will do what needs to be done. And it presupposes, number one, that we have a mind to accept what he does, because 
I'll stand by. We usually don't appreciate what God is doing until, you know, after it's over, if we appreciate it then. Uh, but to, you know, kind of get hyped about why doesn't God do something, uh, he is. He's waiting for the right time. He might be doing something now, and it's just we aren't aware of it. Uh, Brother Steve? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, waiting on the right times, we could be waiting without the suffering. And I think a lot of the suffering that Israel went through, the first amount of time, because of their falling away from God, was mm -hmm. years by rejecting uh, Moses. Mm -hmm. Everything God does is to help us. Uh, so, yeah, if we suffer, it's not because God wants us to. It's because we've chosen to. And sometimes the only thing we'll listen to, the only time you can make an impression on us is by allowing us to suffer some things. Uh, but when we want to ask that question, I certify you the problem is never God. So we can just dismiss that one out of hand. You know, what is God waiting for? Well, the problem is not God. God is waiting for the right time, and a lot of things factor into that. Our faithfulness, our willingness to do what he said, our willingness to listen to him in the first place. It's all kinds of things going on, but we have to, uh, a given is that God is faithful. That's unnegotiable. God is always faithful. Uh, so the Israelites, they're down there crying, you know, for deliverance. Did God see them? Sure he did. But there were multiple things at work there. Uh, and God could charge in and do what we think should be done. And down the road, we'd find out, you know what? That actually was not for my good. Yeah, he could have charged in and got Israel out of there early on. That wasn't what they needed. So sometimes in life, we may be going through things. I may not know what God is waiting on, but let us never be so high-minded as to think because I don't know, nobody else does. Yeah, we never know what God knows. And so if God is waiting, there's a good reason. Brother Johnny Cole. I, I, I think you could say that, and it'd be hard for an Israelite to take a whole lot of exception to it. I don't think that was the only thing at work there. Uh, yeah, but I think you could say that, and it, it'd be it, just based on their behavior once God came and got them. You see, you are who you are. You just don't become somebody overnight. Uh, so had they been completely faithful to God the, the whole time that they were in Egypt, I, I, wouldn't, well, I wouldn't wager it all anyway, but I wouldn't have wagered anything on it. Um, so I don't think that was the only reason, but I think that had something to do with it. Uh, and like I say, usually there are multiple things at work. So, I mean, that's one of them. You got these ites that God is going to deal with. Uh, it, it's just a whole, it, it's a, an abundance of things at work there, of which that would have been one. Okay, I saw a couple of hands. Sister Abba, uh, let me start on this side. Sister Abba. Excellent point. Even when we're going through something, God is still blessing us. That's how we're going through and why we're not overcome altogether, uh, because God is blessing us. Uh, Brother Brandon.
Yeah, and so the hard part about trying to answer this question is, you know, we don't see everything God sees. We don't know everything God knows, but we do know God is faithful. But yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, Brother Farron, and then Aaron, we'll double back to you. Mm-hmm. 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 Waited for the right time. And Job ought to just drill that into our minds because Job's suffering came not because he did something wrong, but to the contrary, because God knew he could count on him. Yeah. Uh, Aaron? Mm -hmm. I'm sure. I would venture when Aaron made that golden calf for him, that that wasn't their first experience uh, with a God other than God. Mm -hmm. uh, Brother Harvey. Mm-hmm. Joseph. Absolutely. So the given is God is faithful. I may not be able to identify why things are the way they are, but the given is God is faithful. Uh, and remember, your issues may be about more than just you. Um, but we tend to see everything from me. You know, if, if, if I'm having trouble, I'm having trouble. Yeah, but how is that helping the fellow next to you? Uh, I know Job's trouble has helped me quite a bit. Uh, and I think if you had asked Job beforehand, Job, do you want to suffer all these things just to help Ricky? Um, look, Ricky just need to do what the Bible said. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, but you, you have things just going on, and, and all kinds of things happen. God doesn't take away our choice. Uh, he doesn't want us to make bad choices, but we do. And choices bring consequences. And so sometimes what's going on is because of that. Sometimes what's going on is just because it's going on. I, you know, you don't have to try to find something deeply theological in it. The thing I need to trust is God is faithful. And he's always aware of current affairs. It, it never like God turns on the news and, hey, when did that happen? He, he's always up to speed. All right, uh, verses 10... 10 to 12, chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. Mm-hmm. And it is a mouthful and, and those three verses. You ever had God tell you to do something you really didn't want to? I, yeah, all of us could raise our hands on that one. I, yeah, yeah. It, and one of the things you do when somebody tells you something you don't want to do, you resist. Uh, whatever your reasons might be. Now, I'm sure where he told Moses to go had something to do with it. Uh, based on the state of affairs when he left, uh, and God says, and I want you to go back and not just go back. I want you to get in the king's face and tell him what to do. Most like, that's kind of what got me in trouble the first time. <laughs> so God tells us time to do things that we, do you always want to forgive at the moment the infraction happens? Don't look it. No, you don't. That's, that's why we in the church now, because we have trouble doing the right thing. You know, we always did the right thing. You wouldn't need forgiveness of sins. You'd just do the right thing. Uh, so God says, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. But the key is, I'm sending you. There's a difference between when God is behind something and when I'm behind it. God says, I'm going to send you, and I will be with you. That makes it a whole different consideration. Uh, Moses asked the question, who am I? I tried to deliver the Israelites once. It didn't work out too good. And you want me to go back? Different ball game, Moses. Different plan this time. I'm sending you. And I want you to speak to Pharaoh. And look, I'm going to tell you something. God was up front with Moses. And at first, he ain't going to let you go. Yeah, things are going to get seemingly worse before they get better. Remember, the Israelites, they were kind of like, man, what you come down here for? I mean, if it was bad before you got here, it's, it's horrible now. Uh, it, quite a few times they would have, uh, you know, if you'd had a lynching party you know, for Moses, the Israelites would have been leading the, leading the cheer. So Moses says, who am I that I should go back, uh, that I should go and deliver? And again, you see uh, Moses, you know, his sense of unworthiness, number one, to be there dealing with God, but his inability. I think that's actually a good thing. I believe God can work better with somebody who needs to be encouraged than somebody who's arrogant or high-minded. You know, oh, I got this. And so basically what you're telling God is, I don't need your help, which sometimes is the approach we take to life. I, I can handle this. You can since when? Now, one of the things I've learned, I can't handle anything. And I think we are better off when we recognize that because we start operating from the principle, you know what, let me seek God's blessing first. Uh, you know what you do when you don't seek God's help first? Remember Joshua and the rest of Israel, they cut a deal uh, with the Gibeonites. And the Bible is very careful to say they did not seek God's counsel. And they made a horrible decision. And you're talking about Joshua. If you line up the Bible greats, Joshua is, is in line near the front. But even Joshua made bad decisions when you don't check with God. Uh, so th that Moses wasn't one of these, yeah, I'm going to go back there and this time. I'm a... That was a good thing because when you're arrogant, you don't listen. 
because uh, you think you know. You ever try to teach somebody something that already thought they knew? You might as well be talking to that clock. And everything, I know, I got it. Okay, go on. And then when they hurt themselves, <laughs> good enough for you. No, you, know, you, you won't say that, but that's what you're thinking. So, but God says to him, certainly I will be with you. And that's got to count for a lot. Is there ever a time God is not with us? Yeah, now that presupposes we're doing what God wants us to do. We're being faithful. Now, he's always around. He always sees us. You do not have God's help to do something wrong. It presupposes that we're operating within his will. But we are operating within his will. God is always with us. And because that's true, what was Paul's commentary, uh, Philippians 4.13? I can do all things. That's right. Why? Because God is with me. It's not about me. God is with me. Whatever God commands us to do, we can do. You ever said you can't do something? I can't teach. I can't. Whatever God calls us to do, he, he, he finds a way for us to be able to do it. You can't teach? Guess what Moses said? Moses said, I can't talk. Okay, take your brother. That deals with that problem. Every excuse we come up with, do you know God can find an, uh, an answer for it? And sometimes we just need to be honest. Look, I just don't want to. Right? See, now you need to change your heart. Uh, did I see a hand? Farron. This bunch? Mm-hmm. Uh, and interesting thing, God says to Moses uh, in verse 12, how does the new... Uh, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. God says, and one of the ways you're going to know it's me is you're going to go get them, and you're going to bring them right back here, and, we're gonna, and you're going to worship me on this very mountain. That means you got to go get them, you got to bring them all the way back, and worship. That was God. I got to go get them. Between getting them and getting back to that mountain, a whole lot of stuff was going to happen. And we need to remember that God works progressively. You know, God doesn't just zap us. You know, Lord, I want to be spiritually mature. Boom, boom. There you go. From here to here, a whole lot of stuff is going to happen. And sometimes we've been asking God for a whole lot of stuff to happen. Lord, I want, to be, I want more faith. How do, how do you build faith? Through trials and troubles? See how much faith you build just reading your Bible. I ain't going to say you won't build any, but it's nothing like going through something to help me understand what it is to trust God. I got to go through something. You want to you know God as a deliverer? You got to be delivered. To be delivered means I had to have been out there in deep water. Yeah, so he tells Moses, you're going to bring them back here and y'all going to worship me at this mount. But boy, it's going to be some stuff that just make you think twice between this conversation and the one we're going to have when you get back uh, uh, with that crowd. So again, appreciating life, things just don't, you know, it's just not smooth sailing. You go through some stuff, you, you have no idea what's going on. You wonder why me. Yeah, if we honest sometime, Lord, I don't want this. I don't want to do this. And... God is just saying, I'm with you. Sometimes this is just the way it needs to be. It's not just about what we want. It's about what God understands. So we can be just like children. You know, you, can you give a child what they want all the time? You can't even give an adult what they want all the time. God knows that about us. Uh, Paul? If it was that easy, <laughs> I, I, I think every parent in here would tell you it's, it's, a, it's a challenge, but it's a privilege. 
Uh, I, don't, I don't, too many things haven't tried, challenged me like being a parent, but too many things haven't blessed me like being a parent either. So, uh, you know, being a parent is a wonderful thing. It's a challenging thing, but it's a wonderful thing. But the thing I remember, you know what, the way my kids challenged me, I challenged my mother. So, you know, who's gonna stand up and play the innocent victim? I'm sure she looked at me sometime and just said, ah, boy, hmm. Absolutely. All right, uh, let's see, we can soldier on just a little bit more here. Uh, 13 to 15. Yeah, so Moses' first question was, who am I? But his second question, who are you? And it's not saying he didn't know God. Uh, I'm sure Jochebed had helped him understand the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What Moses is saying, I just can't go back down there and just tell them, look, we leaving. It, it just don't work like that. I mean, you know, we, we ain't gonna make it very far if I just, we just try to step out of Egypt, you know, because I saw a burning bush that didn't, most said it's just not going to work that way. I, I need some kind of tangible evidence that these people will know that you have sent me down here uh, to get them. And you see what happened even though he had tangible evidence. Uh, Moses, I just can't go down there and tell these folk, you know, we're leaving. No. So, so really when, what he's asking God, you know, give me something substantive to help the Israelites believe when I'm going to go down there and tell them. Uh, can you imagine what kind of story that would just sound like? Uh, you know, the doctrinal differences aside, can you imagine if I just came in here and, and, you know, of course, God doesn't speak to us directly anymore. But what a story it sounds like when somebody comes in and says, God told me. Sure he did. Because <laughs> whatever you say, I'm going to make sure I do the opposite. You know, God said, let's just not worry about ever getting sick again from anything. See, I ain't going to be shaking your hand because you... <laughs> Washing your hands is still prudent. I, you, you have what faith you want to. Washing your hands is a prudent idea. So Moses, what he's really saying is, I just can't go down there with a story. They, they've got, I've got to have a little something else when I go down there. If I just go down there and say God appeared to me, they're going to look at me like I'm crazy, which some of them did anyhow. Uh, so he said, yeah, give me, give me something to work with. Uh, so God says, I am that I am. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little more when we get to the so what's. Uh, but you, you've heard that statement before. Well, well, God used it a lot. I am, and then he would elaborate. Uh, but Jesus used it. Uh, and John, John records, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And they understood exactly what he meant. And we know that because they tried to stone him. You're trying to say you're God. Now, I'm not trying to say it. That's what I said. See, trying means I'm attempting. That's what I'm telling you. Yes, in the flesh, that's who I am. Make, make no mistake about it. Now, other folk may not appreciate it, but I know who I am. That's exactly what Jesus was saying there. Uh, I think we, we're not going to get 16 to 22. Okay, so we got the rest of the chapter here. Anybody 16 to 22?
Now, you want to talk about a loving, merciful God. If you listen to the way he's talking to Moses here, you ever been discouraged? Yeah, I'm sure we all have, one thing or another. God tells Moses on the front end how this is going to work. Initially, the Israelites are going to listen to you. Pharaoh ain't trying to hear anything. And I'm going to have to lean on him real hard before he lets you go. But he's telling Moses down the line how this thing is going to play out. So the first time you go to Pharaoh and it doesn't work out, I got it covered. I don't, don't think, yeah, you know, don't wonder, oh, no. I'm telling you before you get there, this is how it's going to work. And I'm going to really have to do some things to Pharaoh before he lets you go. But when he lets y'all go, I mean, it's almost like they're going to throw y'all a parade. You're going to be able to leave and take what you want uh, as you go. So one, he speaks to him to keep Moses from being discouraged. Moses is going to have a lot on his shoulders. He's got to lead these people. These people are going to turn on him repeatedly. And you think about just trying to lead a, a, a crowd that size anywhere. You, you know how people are. I mean, I mean we complain about stuff. Uh, you notice how nice the weather's been here lately? How many people you think have, all they've said is, thank God for the weather? Yeah, but we don't get no cold. It won't kill the, the, the bugs and the diseases, and, and we need some cold. And, and then when some cold come, I sure hope it warm up. My bill's so high. It, it, some people, there's no pleasing. That's folk Moses had to deal with. The good thing he had some sidebar conversations with God to help keep him encouraged uh, as he has to deal uh, with these people. Uh, so you see the love of God shining through, because Moses is doing everything he can to try to get out of this. Uh, he, he, he got a bunch of excuses coming why he can't do what God has already told him is going to happen. You stop and think about that. God has told you this is what's going to happen, and then you tell God, I can't do that. Somebody's got to be wrong. And if I tell God I can't do that, guess what I'm saying? You're wrong. How do you tell God he's wrong? Well, I'm, that's not, I'm, I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying I can't do that. But that's what you're saying. You're saying he's wrong. Do we do that? Yeah, but man. And no reason for us to cast stones at Moses. We can relate to what Moses went through. Everything God tells us to do, we can. Because God works through us. But sometimes we feel like we can't. Hey, you talk to some, I can't make it. You can't. Did God die? Well, you can't make it. Now, you don't want to make it. That's a different conversation. But you can. Because there have been some things that I can do that I just don't want to. I can pay taxes. I don't want to. And the government help you out. They don't give you much choice. <laughs> you can pay or you can go to jail. Well, you know what? In that case here. <laughs> We're going to run... Right, right. Go ahead, John. I don't think it was expressly just for the women, uh, but you have to remember, we are one, we are family. I may have a particular responsibility, but we're all a group together. Uh, so when you talk about the, the, the mm, how can I say this without sounding like a chauvinist? Uh, 
at that point in time, and I still think it's God's will today, but at that point in time, the women took care of the home. So when you make reference to something that pertains to the home, naturally that would be directed to the woman because that's what she was going to be dealing with. Uh, if it had been something that pertained specifically to the man's duties, then he would have said that uh, to the man. I know we live in kind of a free-thinking society. One of the things I know, when God sets something in place, you can't improve on it. Now, you can change it, modify it, whatever you want to do with it, but the, when God made it and set it in place, that's the best it could be. And to tinker with it in any kind of way is to make it less than it was. Uh, so, no, I don't think it was just that the women would benefit uh, from this, but that was, would fall under their area of responsibility. I am of the mind, if there was an Israelite man that had asked uh, an Egyptian man for something, he'd have gave it to him gladly. Yeah, I think it would have benefited everybody. I tell you what, if I didn't satisfy you there, let's pick up again next Tuesday and start with that because I'm already two minutes over time. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I know I saw two hands over here. Um, well, if they send somebody big up here, I could probably outrun them. I ain't worried about that, but it, it's my time to stop. Uh,